Bo is returned from his overseas adventure. Welcome to this week's edition of Parked in Turn One. I'm Jay. Wow. Jay. I'm Jay's son. Yeah. I'm just Jay. You know what? I'm just Jay. I don't know. I'm having some trouble. It's been a minute. You got me out of my rhythm when we took a week (laughs) off. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Navis. I got my man, the world traveler, Bo, here to tell us all about Barcelona, Catalonia, all the sights and sounds of Spain. Bo, how are you today? I'm good, man. I'm excited to be back. I I I wanted to get back last week. Um, That was kind of the plan, but, um, you know, we were moving into a new house. So, I mean, that's, we got, I think we, uh, we left Barcelona, if it were going by U.S. time, Eastern time, we left Barcelona, I think about 1 a.m., and then we got back to at 1 a.m. Excuse me, Monday morning, and then we landed in Greenville, um, like more or less 1 a.m. Tuesday morning, and uh, we went. We you know we got some food and we got off the uh, got when we got home, ran and gra- grabbed a bite to eat real quick, and then we had to go pick up one of our dogs, um, and then we got like two or three hours of sleep, and then immediately woke up and started moving on Tuesday day. So um, Wednesday, everything's kind of a fog last week. So I'm 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 sorry to everyone out out there. Um, we're back though. Going to talk a lot of, about of everything that happened because a lot did happen. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to uh, to get started into it. Well, all that sounds like rich people problems to me, Bo. <laughs> all that this is all like first world rich people. Oh problems. God, here it goes. But. <laughs> You missed this, didn't you? I did. You I missed did. <laughs> Well, you know, you guys got to go and do something that I have not ever done, which is to go see a race in Europe. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, first of all, I want to congratulate you along with many of our listeners. I think we'll congratulate you on your new home. But I don't care about that because that's not <laughs> what I'm interested in. I, <laughs> let's well, you're talk not invited about... to the barbecue, so how about that? <laughs> well, shocking. That is shocking. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about let's talk about Barcelona and, and Catalonia. It's your first time abroad. Yes. What what struck you the most about um, this the area that you were in in Barcelona? In traffic, general? traffic. Um, yeah. So and 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 it's it's much much heavier. You know, obviously, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm based in upstate South Carolina is where I live. So right around the Greenville Spartanburg area, right in in that area region. Right. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Rush Hour in Greenville is three cars and probably a horse-drawn buggy. That's right. But so, so here's the bad thing, though. It, it, what's crazy about that, though, is those three cars and that horse-drawn buggy don't know how to operate. Um, it, it's it's really <laughs> astounding to me. Um, but no, with traffic, uh, traffic in Barcelona, um, it, it flows. For the best way I can describe it is it just flowed like water. Um, and it, it, you know, cars were piling in everywhere into whatever crevice they could get into. Uh, sure. Motorcycles were filling in the spaces between that. Um, yep. But but no one got mad. No one got upset. It's just normal. No, yeah, it's it's normal. Everyone's mm-hmm. upset. everyone let it go. There like, there was no real road rage. I mean, you'd hear people like honk their horn, and then as soon as one person would honk their horn, everyone kind of falls in line and like, yeah, you need to go, you know. But everyone kind of minds their p's and q's when it comes to traffic and and the vast amount of motorcycles there compared to the United States is is another one of those things that really stuck out to me that um, that stuck out to me was it, so much so that I, I started looking into it a little bit. 
And um, it, it starts to make sense after a while about why motorcycle racing really isn't prominent in the United States as much as it is because we just don't value motorcycling um, in the same way. And, and in Europe, you know, motorcycling, it's not necessarily so much of a passion and an enjoyment. It, it's, it's kind of a necessity at some point um, that if you can't get a car or you don't want a car, you know, it's much more, it's much easier to get around um, it, it, with a motorcycle and a moped and, you know, things of that nature. Um, but yeah, the language barrier uh, wasn't terrible. Um, we, we, I can order food. I can order coffee like a pro in uh, in in Spanish. Well done. And, and possibly well done. Ca- you know Catalonia, uh, Catalan. Excuse me now, um, yeah, but like Catalan. the basic the basic conversational pieces back and forth. If the thing of it is, is you know, um, if you go into a restaurant or if you go into a shop, people expect you to buy something. It's not just like there's there's no such thing as window shopping, more or less. There. Mm. Um, and so when you would walk in, it was, you know, what do you want immediately? And if we attempted to to speak in, if we didn't, it, let me back up a little bit. If we went in and we immediately started speaking English, people were a little less um, open to us. Uh, they were a little less, you know, willing to help or willing to be friendly, things like that. But if we went in immediately attempting to speak Catalan or Spanish, um, which a lot of times I would actually walk in and I would say, you know, what do you, Catalan or Spanish, you know, what do you want to, want me to speak in? And they were really surprised, first of all, um, that we would even offer to try to speak Catalan, um, uh, which, so that was, um, uh, that was something, you know, that was new to them, I think. But um, once they, you know, they knew that we were attempting to speak, they were much friendlier, um, you know, not to say that everyone was a jerk, but um, they were much more willing to help us and be more patient with us. Uh, but then, of course, you know, me speaking Spanish or Catalan, I'm speaking in such a <laughs> basic dialect. So at that point, they just start speaking English because, you know, like, we got stuff to do, you know, like, come on, let's, we got to speed this up a little bit. And, um but it was fun. I mean, it really was. It was a uh, it was a, a big uh, big culture shock. Um, the way that the city was planned out and the way that the city is designed. Uh, it's a beautiful beautiful city, um, especially in the Gothic Quarter. Uh, I think that's obviously where you're going to see all of the Instagram pictures as things like that. Sure. Um, we actually sp- stayed on the outskirts of Barcelona uh, in a little place called Badalona, um, which uh, when I say it's more. It's still considered Barcelona, but it's it's kind of it's kind of an area of Barcelona that gets a bad a bad rep a little bit. Just it's it's still up and coming. It's got some development. It's almost I don't want to say it looks like the ghetto, um, but if you put it next to the Gothic Quarter, it looks like the ghetto. Uh, but it was nice nice area, um, pretty decent area. Um, and then we were about 25 minutes away from the track, so uh, you know getting up into uh, the uh, granular or granules. Um, area where the track is it's you know just a short uh taxi ride up and up into the city just a little bit off to to the north side of the city so um really really good experience it was great i took a paella cooking class um i shared shared that on social media with everyone um i i mean it was it wasn't you know it it was it wasn't my idea i guess you know my my sister wanted to do it we met my sister over there uh the first time i'd seen her in a couple years so it was good to hang out with her a little bit and um but it it was good uh i will say that i am i'm over seafood for a while i'm not a huge seafood person but um i i don't i I was happy to find a burger joint in in barcelona let's just put it that way yep i understand but great experience well you're an american yeah absolutely yeah i mean you're um, an american 
Yeah. We it, do well, miracles. Right, right. And I, I just, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm super thankful, super thankful for the opportunity to, to have done it. Um, you know, now, you know, what we do with uh, the tickets that we purchase at, at Circuit of the Americas versus what the experience that my wife and I did with uh, uh, with MotoGP this time. Uh, I've got some good comparisons there, some good takeaways on, you know, what I cool. prefer, more or less, you know. Um, well, let's get into it just for a second. Yeah, what, yeah, absolutely. Which one do you prefer? Uh, I prefer what we normally do with Circuit of the Americas, personally. Um, mm. the, you know, we, we go that route. We have... Um, we have a personalized person that's that's there with us there in the suite uh, that we that you know the as far as drinks go cocktails any kind of any any drinks that we want water pop you know any other kind of alcohol cocktails um, the food is a little bit more available so I'm not sure if that was a cultural difference type thing which you'll you'll actually enjoy this in in Spain um, Saturday. And ha- it was it was all day Saturday and then into half a day Sunday my wife and I couldn't understand why we were. Um, completely sober. Well, come to find out, we were drinking the non-alcoholic cocktail, which tasted amazing. Uh, so, <laughs> that's just for you. I knew you would get a kick out of that, but that's just for you um, and to share with oh, everyone else. So, ah, <laughs> uh, this is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, this it's is great. My favorite. Yeah, but we gotta. We, oh man. We got a pit, uh, country we mice s- went to the city. <laughs> That's what happened over there. <laughs> oh I man, you. you guys, you guys were over in the big city in Europe. I mean, I'm so proud of you guys. It must have been scary, uh, but that's a funny story because I, I think I think it's easy to do that in other countries because I think. Number one, when Americans travel, there's a lot of there's a lot of difference between the countries in Europe, in a lot of ways from America. It, right, it's just right. different. The, you mentioned it. Part of it, the motorcycling. You know, like it's part of their life. That's what they use as transportation there because uh, because of a lot of factors. Uh, traffic, because of this price of fuel, the price of the cars. You know, all that stuff factors into it over there. But I think that's funny. I I did not. Um, I did not know until you guys actually booked it, though, that the VIP village experience was only on the weekend. That's very strange to me. So, um, yeah, and it, yeah, that, that was one thing, too. Um, it was just Saturday and Sunday, which, you know, I do have to thank MotoGP uh, because I reached out and I said, hey, listen, you know, we normally do this in, in uh, Circuit of the Americas, but we go all three days. And I did pitch that, you know, hey, this is, I have a, I have a podcast. This is something that I do. You know, I, I really like to get information that I see on Fridays. Um, you know, do I have to purchase another, uh, a Friday grandstand ticket? And they, they sent two passes. Uh, we walked right in on Friday. Um, it was, it, it was really good. Um, I would say that as far as operationally compared to Circuit of the Americas, uh, we had much less trouble getting in. But traffic throughout the weekend progressively got worse, not only in the yeah. volume, but also how they handled traffic. Um, well, and yeah. it, it that, was that very doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the things. I don't think they handle their circuits, their roads around their circuits are, again, not America. Yeah, so yeah. they don't have the space. You know what I mean? These circuits right. were built in spaces that have been long closed in. There is no way to widen the roads or anything so traffic Mm -hmm. i think almost at every european race is probably going to be an issue um but i overall what was your takeaway from it 
I mean, it's it nothing but positive, you know. I mean, it, it, if we're talking the the entire trip together, the even just the track experience in Barcelona and seeing Barcelona, Catalonia, um, uh, Circuit Montmelo, the Circuit de Catalonia is is probably one of my favorite track layouts, and seeing the uh, seeing the actual elevation change there at the track in person, it's it's one of those tracks that I really want to ride. Um, you know, it's oh, always really? been a track that I wanted to ride for a very long time, and. Um, and I, it's beautiful facility. Um, they, Spain's been in a, uh, a drought, especially in the Barcelona area. It, we just got in the weekend that we got in, it rained, um, like crazy. And, and I will say that, you know, watching the races, uh, we went back and watched everything again after we were there. <clears throat> it looks much cloudier on TV than it actually was in person. Um, there were oh, a couple, really? yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite that dark at all. I mean, it was getting dark, and and you could see that there were some clouds rolling in, and and we had some some rain sprinkles here and there. We could we could feel it, uh, but it really wasn't nearly as dark as it as it appeared to be on camera. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was a great well, experience. Super, super well, thankful. Good. I to have I, it. I did love that your first text to me was about the hotel room. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I was just waiting for it. And I enjoyed it. So did you guys not stay at that hotel? We did. Um, we we kind of bucked it up. We got creative with, <laughs> with bath towels. And um, yep. we created some privacy partitions um, in our shoebox hotel room. <laughs> that you were sharing with who? Uh, my wife. No, 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 no. No, just my wife. So. It, oh, okay. It, yeah, it could have been worse, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just so funny to me. I mean, but that was a big, my first time in Europe, that was a shock to me too. Um, although I do have to say that at one stop in Italy, the room was tiny, but the bathroom was bigger than the rest of the room. Hmm. Like it, the, the bathroom was bigger than the room we had the beds in. And I was like, why is this happening? But it is it is kind of a shock for Americans because our hotel rooms by comparison are... Much, yeah, much I larger. think that. Yeah, I think we equate that hotel quality with also the size of the room at some point, you know, and and yeah. how much what. Yeah. We, I think in America we pay. We start thinking in terms of quantity when we see dollar amounts go up. You think, well, you pay for yeah. more, so you're going to get a bigger space and more of this and more of that, or a bigger bed, right. things like that. Right. And it's it's not that way. That's another thing with customer service. I felt. You know, in, in, in the United States, we live in a in an area of cancel culture, more or less. You know, I mean, if we said something that was that that was wrong or disparaging to a group of people, then and we got canceled. You know, that's the same thing with customer service. If you have a business, if you have one or two or three bad reviews, even out of a thousand, that could really damage you yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, with your business practice. But honestly, in Spain, they don't care. I, I mean, it, there was I was never treated overly nice. Um, no, uh, you know what I mean? Which I didn't expect to be, you know, and I, I want that to be clear too. you know, I, I expected to go in, I needed to earn, you know, I'm a tourist. I, I'm, I'm something that I'm a person that these people see all through the summer. They get frustrated. They don't want to see me. They don't want to deal with me. They want to talk to a local. They want to talk to the people that they're used to seeing, you know, and, and, and not somebody who just walks in and expects them to bow down to me, you know, and, and we didn't go in with that attitude. We just went in to try to live there and try to blend in and, um, I, I mean, I, I hope that we went to Tasa de Mar, um, which is a city about a, a coast, a, next to Costa Brava, um, up the up the coast. 
um, one day and we booked a little four by four trail, um, which I'd found like the original Ducati, uh, pedal bike <laughs> at right, the top right. of this fortress. I'd said that I put the post of that picture up. Um, but you know, the, uh, uh, the tour guide, it, we started off there and he was kind of, uh, it was on a, I can't remember what day of the week it was, but it, it he it felt like he didn't want to be there. It kind of started off a little bit. Then we started up the road and then, you know, we started asking him, you know, same thing about the language. And he was like, oh, you know, Catalan. We're like, no, we just know the important stuff. You know, and we kind of, we rattled off a couple swear words in Catalan. He started laughing because you know the important words. And uh, so we're like, yeah, yeah. So we had a good time and it was, it was a really good experience there. And uh, beautiful countryside, but um, I honestly think if we went back, we would probably, uh, if we went back with on not a MotoGP weekend, we would probably stay in Tossa de Mar. Uh, just Much, a, you like that better than yeah, Barcelona? Yeah, be- the, the, you know, that's location, the thing. Yeah. The, the big cities, um, all of them, all the big cities in Europe, you know, they have a lot of history there because people mm-hmm. have been there for so long and some of the buildings there are so old. But for me, I'm the same. Like, I, I'm like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see once, but it's still just a city to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rome was that way. I, I, I know Barcelona's that way. Uh, even Madrid, Florence, Italy, uh, Milan. I, I mean, it, uh, you know, it's. All of them are beautiful in their own way, but in the end, when there's millions of people living there, it's a city, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, and yeah. I like, I'm with you. I like the countryside. I like the, the, uh, the wilderness just a little bit more than I like the cities. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you had a good trip, man. That sounds good. I mean, so let's let's talk quickly. I don't. It's been a while since that happened, but mm-hmm. you know, I I just want to know how much you celebrated when Jake Dixon won the Moto Two race. I did more push-ups than he did. That's how excited I was. <laughs> well, you know, I, I you know what? I, I'm gonna put Dixon in the same breath that I put with Aprilia. You know, they did their first ever one two mm-hmm. with two riders there. Mm-hmm. Um and I still felt the same way. I don't care. And well, it was justified because uh, so, going to Mizano, I, all I'm I'm thinking about in terms of the championship, like what are you going to do, like, but I I don't for a second think that Alicia Spargo is a championship contender, and at that point he had won two of the last three races, and I still thought meh, and Alec and, and Maverick Vinales get out of here, he was fast that weekend, but whatever, and you know. And then we get to Mizano, and I was like, see, told you. Well, uh, so just to argue with you a little bit, I mean, you know, obviously the VR46 guys did well at Mizano because that's kind of their back, their home track. You know, the same thing with uh, the same thing with Alicia Sparger. Alicia Sparger grew up, you know, five minutes away from the uh, circuit to Catalonia. Um, so I think there's a little bit of a component there on both sides, but I, I tend to I tend, I tend to lean towards agreeing with you. Um, the only argument that I would I would um, bring up is uh, from Catalonia is Miguel Oliveira. So Miguel Oliveira to me really looked amazing um, throughout that entire weekend and was you know obviously the the Aprilia lockout of the podium for a while uh, during that race was kind of stood out to me that I think of uh, Miguel Oliveira is not yet a hundred percent but he's almost on his he's, he's getting there. Um, he's getting back to that point, but I think Aprilia does really have a good bike underneath of him right now, and I would love to see what. With that being said, let me back up a second. With that being said, I still think that Ducati has the talent edge um, of their riders over Aprilia, and I think that that is um, that's kind of 
that shone through on uh, during the Mizano test, or excuse me, during the Mizano weekend. Um, so I would like to see what you know the Aprilia could do with the hands of a little bit more skilled riders. Um, you know, and I don't know. I'm going to catch flack for that because of, of attacking. You know, Alicia Parker has won two out of three races, and then you know Maverick Vinales, who is uh, multiple you know time race winner, and then Miguel Oliveira, who's won multiple races too. So nah, you uh, are what your record says you are. You've won two of the last three races, but you've won three races total. Yeah, and yeah. that that's that's the it. You know, I mean, yeah. so I, I I look I I give Alicia and Priya and even Maverick, uh, you know, kudos for the great weekend in Barcelona. Um, they look great there. But it again, Barcelona's one of those tracks without a ton of hard-breaking er- areas. And it's got it's got a couple, but it but it's largely about corner speed and that's where the Aprilia shines. Well, the dri- then, exit drive too. So the exit drive yeah. was really huge for Aprilia, I think, this weekend or that that weekend in Barcelona. You know, as could tell, you know, to watch that you could see the Aprilia jump off the last corner and really. Yeah, but that's not up. a hard breaking corner. No, it's not. No, no, yeah, it's, right. But so if you compare and contrast that to how they were coming out of the last uh, the last corner, yeah, yeah, I know at Mazzano, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it wasn't close. Which isn't what you would call a hard, hard breaking corner, but it was much harder than Barcelona. And then you go into turn one and look, they were they were not great through that little chicane there because they they just didn't have the corner speed or the the ability to do it. Yeah. But you know, again, they did a great job in Barcelona. I, I don't want to gloss over that. I think um, the biggest thing for me was it just like they. I realized I'm thinking to myself, Alicia's won the last. He's won two out of the last three, and I still just don't even consider him any sort of threat for the world championship. And I, I he's not. He's just not. And I mean, you've got. I, I will take Bezeki or Martin if I'm not taking Bagnaya. I'm. I'm not. I just. He's not even. He's not even in my top five. You know, and that's crazy because he's won two races this year, and he's just. It is what it is. But in that race, we saw a crazy crash caused in the first corner, which, you you know, whatever. Yeah. It, it was whatever. Uh, Bastianini, man, I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Um, he has done – he has been injured. The first crash was not his fault, the one in the first week. Right. He's injured. <clears throat> this crash was his fault. And it was, it was, it was boneheaded. I don't, I don't know any other way to describe it. Um, desperate, uh, whatever. Took out all Ducatis. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I mean, if you um, if you don't want a seat at Ducati next year, that's the way to show it. Um, well, they've confirmed his seat. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, it just. And, uh, but the crazy thing to me is that crash looked pretty innocuous, and he didn't, and he got had to have surgery on his hand, broke his ankle. Yep. And then we saw the massive crash from Bagnaya to a corner or two corners later. He gets hit by a bike and all he's got is bruising. I thought when I saw that crash from Bagnaya, I thought his season was over. Yeah, I, I, th- I think everyone uh, that weekend at Barcelona definitely thought the same thing. Um, you know, every it was pretty wild. Everything it went pretty quiet. Um, 
everyone was waiting, you know, for the ambulance to come come back down. It came back down through the uh, through the start finish straight, the wrong uh, backwards. You know, everyone applauding. Uh, we saw the the uh, marshal gave a thumbs up, uh, but no, I don't. I don't. When I saw when I saw that he was run over, uh, I, I'm with you. I don't. I don't know how he didn't get. Um, a broken bone or anything out of that, but well, and it was Brad Bender that ran over him, but not Brad's fault at all. Right, and right. Um, you know, I, look, motorcycle racing's dangerous, right? And sometimes the worst scenario, the worst case scenario, takes place. It, it just does. And yeah. um, so Brad ran over him, you know, um, and so this this led into. And I don't want to go over the minutia of the race because it was a couple weeks ago, but the thing that stuck out to me and um, was that, you know, Brad had a job to do. He went and, you know, went back to his box and I could see it on his face a little bit. He just hit a dude, you know, that, that's not, that's not cool, but he was focused. He had a race to perform, you know, they get the, the race restarted. Brad crashes out. Brad doesn't even go back to the garage. He goes straight to the medical center. Yeah. And that to me is the difference between a guy like Brad Bender and a guy like Mark Marquez. Simple, simple as that. Yeah. Brad Bender may not win eight world titles, probably not. But you give me that guy every day of the week, every yeah, time, I, I, because I, he's a human being, and he knew that another human being had been hurt. Not really Brad's fault, but he had had a hand in it. You know, it doesn't matter if you meant to or not; it yeah, happened. Right. And so Brad's concern was about Pecco. He didn't care about the race after that. He didn't think one thing about it. He went uh, that that to me was impressive as a human. He's got a fan in me for the rest of his career, uh, for sure. Because that to me is humanity, and that's what it should be. Right? You know, I I, I get it. There's nothing he could do out on the track. I'm sure he sent word to find out. Sent one of his people to find out if he was okay. They saw that he was okay, but as soon as he had a chance, he went and checked on Pecco. Which is different from what I think Mark Marquez would have done. Well, I I feel like I know what Mark would have done. He would have talked to him. He wouldn't have apologized. He wouldn't have gone to the medical center. That's just how I feel. That's all conjecture. All conjecture. But I saw him do something similar in Germany, and he never apologized to the guy that he just almost killed. You know. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, so I <clears throat> I thought um, <laughs> to be honest with you, he kind of he. he said it was his fault, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, like, look, I I, I saw, I, I said it, I said it then. I was like, you know, I really thought, I saw that special with Mark Marquez. I was like, oh, this guy's a human being, a little humanity. I'm rooting for him. And then he does that, and I went right back to, I hate that guy. He's, an, a, a, you know, as, as talented as he is, and it is an otherworldly level of mm-hmm. talent. I just don't care. I just don't care. Do I do I think he makes the championship more interesting? Yes, because he always figures in some way. Do I feel bad for him that he's on a bike that is just a hot dumpster fire? No. No, nope. I, I I was afraid you were going to say yes. I'm like, well, it's not. You know, I mean, you can't. I, I don't feel bad. I, I feel like that's the no, bed that I don't either. Both he and Honda have made for themselves, and now they're laying. Yeah, there, no, you know? I do. I agree uh, with that. But I, but less of. I would feel bad for him if I felt he was the same quality of person. Like I feel Fabio Quartararo is a good dude. I feel bad for him. 
Like I feel, I don't think that he had a hand in what the Yamaha is. I, well, no, I, I mean, really you know, don't believe that. Well, yeah, because he's, you know, he. I want to say he inherited that mess. You know what I mean? But he, he more or less did, and and he was able to ride around a lot of its flaws and a lot of its its downfalls um, to the championship, and that's right. the difference, you know. And and the Yamaha is not building the bike around him. He's he's, you know, clearly yeah. it's it's a little bit different. That's the truth. That and, and to me, I I just I that's just what I took away from that race. That's what that was my main thing. Like I was I was impressed by Brad Brender's compassion and his humanity. Um, and, and in addition to that, though, that dude will race you so hard on track. Well, yeah, I think we saw that in Mizano it, it, when he and so you know, it he, just showed me you can be both of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, but you know, if we move on to Mizano. And this past weekend, where we had a lot of racing. Um, and, you know, I, I want to mention that Moto America was at Coda. And it was just as sad as you think it would be with a, a facility that size hosting a, a championship in the state that Moto America's in. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say a few things. You know, we, we already knew the Superbike champ. We already knew uh, pretty much that Forrest was going to win it, and he ended up doing it. Um but I saw a couple management things at Circuit of the Americas that really just blow my mind. Um, as hot as it was at Coda, these marshals were, I think the marshals were directly responsible for causing some of these bikes to overheat and, and do that. And I, I just, it just blows my mind. Again, with the people that are four seconds off the pace on the lap, um, it's too many. We got to get them out of there. And all in all, you can't possibly have a red flag every time somebody crashes and the bike is on the circuit. There has to be a way that you cannot have red flags. They, they red flag everything in Moto America because they don't have the corner workers, evidently. Every time there's a bike laying on the track, anywhere, even on a track like Coda, where it's going to take them two minutes to get back, they red flag it. And it's just like, I, I just almost anticipate a red flag every every race now and yeah, it's just it's I, ridiculous I, to me i just i just want them to fix it right i think part of that is moto america is trying to find their feet still because they don't and, I, and i'm going to make a, a really possibly asinine statement they don't know what they're doing at some point um you know they would think with the rich history that they have within that that staff and within that organization um and the racing experience that's there uh the, these decisions should be easier to make um, like you're saying, uh, but I want to roll back the clock just a little bit. And we look at Indianapolis uh, a couple years ago, uh, that big crash when a lot of oil was dumped on the dumped on the track. Well, it took forever to red flag that. Um, yeah, so that you know, one I'm cool you, with the red flag. Yeah, so, and that's that's the problem is you know the pendulum now is swinging the other direction where we red flag everything immediately. You know when you don't take in the lap consideration like you're saying, oh, it takes two minutes for those bikes to get back around. That's enough time for someone to as if there is not a rider laying on the track, um, and there is not fluid spilled on the track. That's enough time to clear that track. You know what I mean? That you can go get the bike, get it, unless the bikes. And I, and I, I'll, I'll preface that I should have said I have not watched Moto America from Circuit of the Americas. Um, been you know I've had so much going on. I haven't taken the time to do that. I did catch up on World Superbike and MotoGP this weekend, uh, but Moto America honestly is that they the, the it's so far down my priority list. Um, to get caught up on uh, yeah. simply because of what it is, right? It's just a. Well, 
it's a lackluster yeah. championship with many, many I issues, just, and it lacks I, a lot of interest to me. I love the fact that they raced at Coda, but I, I just, it's really, uh, to be fair, they were never going to fill the stands at Coda, right? Absolute, like, it's right. Never, yeah, absolutely. But it just made it look worse. Well, and, and, and so that's the thing. We talked about World Superbike. My wife was like, gosh, there was nobody in Magni Corps this weekend. And so I couldn't imagine what Coda was like. And we're talking about yeah. France that had the, you know, one of the or the largest MotoGP attendance this year. Um, yeah. And they don't show up for World Superbike. So I can't imagine what Circuit of the Americas might, would, would yeah. kind of rep- look yeah. like. So um, speaking about that, speaking about the attendance and, and what we saw at Magni Corps, uh, I had really started to think that maybe – uh, Alvaro Bautista had kind of, you know, uh, maybe he's kind of getting rattled or whatever. He had some bad luck in the turn in the race one, but in race two, the the feature length race, he really showed that he it was just bad luck. It wasn't, you know, the bike shut off. Uh, I don't know why the bike shut off. <laughs> they never said I didn't read it, but the bike shut off on him, and he came back. He finished tenth, but. Um, I thought, oh no, Top Rack might be getting in it, but then in the end of race two, by the end of the weekend, I was like, nah. Well, nah, yeah, he's I've right. got I've got some opinions about World Superbike um, when we um, get there. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, we, but yeah, anyway, so a little bit, yeah. Yep, yeah, no, but I just I I saw that we were talking about this weekend in Moto yeah, America, yeah, yeah. and I, I there's a couple of things that I wanted to say about Moto America, and I and I had these thoughts uh, yesterday. I was my wife's making me walk every day. Uh, so you okay? Um, yeah, no, it's terrible. Uh, but no, she. I was walking with her, and then someone called her, so we were just walking, and um, I was thinking about motorcycles because that's what I do. <laughs> and it occurred to me that you know, as great as Stamboli is, and as dominant as that team from Yamaha has been, I, I almost feel like they've ruined the sport in the U.S. Because anybody else has to struggle to compete with them, the the money, the the bike building experience, we just don't have that in enough places. So, you know, watching Moto America this weekend, obviously Cam Bobier is so disinterested that he's not even going to race the rest of the year. Um, you've got Gagne winning the championship. You've got I don't know what Heron's doing. Sometimes I just don't know. Um, and then you, but you got the, the vision wheel X star team and they are trying so hard and they even got a swing arm that they use on the Suzuka bike to use for this past weekend. I mean, I have to hand it to Ulrich. He is doing everything he can, but I feel a little bit like he's trying to empty the ocean with a straw. Yeah, and, I mean, and it, because because the the resources that Yamaha and Stamboli and Graves, uh, no, no, they're attack now, right? They're attack. Uh, are they attack yeah, or Graves? It's, it's attack. It's, it's attack. attack. It is attack. Sorry, uh, they were there were some Graves injured, you know, working for them for a while. But with the attack and Stamboli, I don't think there's another guy in the U.S. that can compete with Stamboli from a technical aspect do you at a a present point no i don't i mean it's going to take like you said it's going to take an outside influx to really bring in we're going to have to bring in european folks right right and and that influence but why would they want to come right at that point it's it's like an extension of world superbike right i mean at that point it's it's pointless if you're going to chase whatever you're going to chase what's closer to home 
if you don't right. have to fly across the world. All that needs to be said is that Joe Roberts would rather, rather ride for American racing than come race a superbike in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, there's not a whole lot of options there or a world superbike, but, you know, I just, I just don't know. Like, watching that, it just felt... It didn't feel great watching Moto America this weekend. It made me feel bad, and I, I started to think, you know, well, why? Well, we know all the things about the baggers and the things that the baggers are popular and this and it's, that and all these things. Well, the but, problem— But really, you got one team that has all the money. It's a little bit like F1 was when Mercedes was doing it. Well, it's F1. It's the Red Bull effect now with F1. You know, everyone's chasing yeah, Red Bull now. You know, so— um, But, no, what what bothers me the most is—and and I have to I have to kind of tip my hat to, to Moto America's marketing team— but they're marketing it as if, you know, this is the most exciting racing you're ever going to see. And the way that they advertise it on social media and the way that they talk it up so much. I, I actually had to stop and go back and check something when I saw an advertisement. I can't remember, well, can't remember what it was now, but I had to go, go back and check something to see, wait a second, did this actually happen this year? And it didn't. Uh, but it was just something that they had advertised to to kind of entice you to to get that you know to get that micro commitment that you wanted to watch uh moto america and to me it was uh, it, it it's kind of misleading a little bit because i feel like moto america is almost disillusioned at some point but they think that they it is entertaining they think that it is something that's a quality product for people to to really view but the in truth it's simply it's it's a smoke and mirrors due to the ignorance of people that don't know actually what is out there. You know that's being put being yeah. uh, that's being organized and and broadcasted by Dorna and and Erda and everything that's going on there. That I think that Moto America is just capitalizing on the people that don't know what it could be, and, and they're just catching those people and getting the revenue off those people and and trying to get those butts in the seats. Um, and and almost hoping that they don't find out what could be, you know, and and yeah. that's what's sad to me. Yeah, I mean, you 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 make some good points there. I I think, um, uh, I know that the Circuit of the Americas is our premier facility in the U.S., mm-hmm. but I don't. As much as I hate some of the facilities that we race at. At least it doesn't make it look like there's absolutely right, no one there. Yep. And I also found it hilarious that they wouldn't even let Moto America use the garages. They still use their tents. Hmm. I, I, it's 100 degrees outside. And, and they didn't let them do it. And I was like... Wow. So here's wow. my so here's my argument to that is did they not let them use the garages or was it a decision by Moto America to not use the garages because they don't have the fancy walls to set up between each garage and then they can't show separation so it won't look as pretty as There's not the enough superbikes to have to you know? use every garage. You can use every other well, door. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying is you know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at though is the the visual sure. presentation of that if we use the garages we don't have those walls to set up so you're just going to see team after team but the, the but here's the the asinine part of that is you get the same exact thing with tents because there's no separation right. between the tents either either so right um no i'm with you i think uh, i mean put i don't know i 
I, I have to get off my I gotta get off the Moto America soapbox. I, I'll, I'll be you know people that race Moto America that might listen to us. Whatever. I'm never gonna be as fast as you. I'm never gonna be you. Know, that's fine. You can say what you want to. You can talk trash. But you're what you're chasing is not a quality. It's not quality to the consumer, um, which is me. So I and I'll choose to to go elsewhere to get racing. Well, I, I, and that's, that's a problem. I, I, you know, there was a couple things that I did find interesting though. One was that, you know, Tyler Scott really improved in race two and beat Javi Forrest, which was really good. Um, Teague Hobbs had a big high side. Hope he's okay. Yeah, I did see that. Um, you know, I, that was a nasty high side. It was nasty, but there was no fluid on the track and everybody had gone by. I felt like that was in a place where you could get, you could get that bike off the track. They would have had to wait for too long, though, because the people in the back of that pack are so slow. And and I, I just, we have to do something about the grid size. And I want to illustrate that point um, by showing, you know, like just for Supersport, the qualifying two, um, there was a couple of people that were on the grid that were nine seconds slower a lap. Wow. That's that's no, no. But to be fair, if you would have just said five seconds slower a lap, you only had fourteen people on the grid, and one of those people that was in that over five seconds a lap off was Kayla Yakov. Now, I can tell you that I believe Kayla Yakov can get much faster there, but it was her first weekend on, on a bike ZX6, she'd never yeah. ridden, yep. on a track she had never ridden. If there's an American that is doing big things in racing, it is Kayla Yakov. Yeah, 100%. Yep. And I want to congratulate her on her success over in Europe. That's amazing what she was able to accomplish over there. And I think she deserved every bit of that ride at Titler's. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see her out there. I am super happy. So my point is we had a guy 14 seconds off the lead. Now, he did not. He crashed after lap four, so he didn't. But he shouldn't have been allowed on the grid. I don't think so. I mean... You would have, if you would have cut it off at 10, you would have had 27, 28 riders. You know, that's enough. That, that we, I'm sorry, I don't want to shoot your dreams down, but that's what Weira is for. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's why we have Weira and CCS and, and, and FMRA, and Azra, yeah. you know, and Azra. That, that's what those are for. The Moto America is not for that guy. Um, but, I guess some people are going to dispute that. They're going to say, "Yes, it is," but it's really not. Not not if not the premier level. Um, the the guys in Moto Two are only six seconds off the pace of Moto GP. So, and they're on a well, bike that's well, crazy less powerful. Well, which we saw, you know, HRC replacement rider did not get did not qualify. He failed to qualify in Mizano, and they would not let him on the grid. So, uh, yes. Uh, you know? Takahashi, right? Yes. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know what? That's exactly how it should be. Racing should be reserved for the very best of the best. And if you want to get there, then work hard and get there. And I know it's not cheap. I know it's not easy. But it doesn't look good when you've 
when you, when you have that. I just right. I, I just <clears throat> I just struggle with it. But enough about uh, what happened there. You know, we we saw it um, in race one in the Superbike class. It was same old, same old. Uh, Jake Gagne runs out there going crazy, uh, does unbelievable stuff. Uh, looks like a world beater. Um, in the second race, though. Josh Heron won. I don't know how. The bike kept running number one. He had some problems with the bike in race one, overheating and all that stuff. So it was a hot weekend. Um, you know, lots of problems. But for me, the biggest issue I saw with Moto America was the event, the running of the event. And with my background, it's unique because that's what I've done for a living for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So I see lots of problems there. Eh? Reach out, Moto America, if you want some advice. Let me sit down and look at it. And I can point out 10 or 12 things that you're doing wrong within 10 minutes. You're doing it wrong. And I don't. And I know that you think you have to do it a certain way because it's racing. But no one else in racing is having the same problems. You know, right. they're not holding people. You cannot hold those bikes on the grid for a minute. They, they cannot take... You cannot have so many people out there that it takes a minute and a half from the first guy getting to his grid spot to the last guy. That right. can't happen. You know, it's just, it can't happen. So all those things to say, you know, Moto America's got one more round. Congratulations to Forrest for winning the Supersport Championship. Uh, I'm glad that uh, Tyler Scott looks to be improving. That's great. Now get out. Um and, you know, hey, go race somewhere with Chavy Forrest. And race two was crazy. Like, they were pushing each other way off the circuit. It was nuts. So I saw but that. I, I did see the last yeah. part of that lap. Yeah. I was like, well, apparently track limits doesn't, you know, thank goodness the FIM well, wasn't watching that. So Well, it, the it, well, I think the, the ruling was they were 12 seconds ahead of anybody else, and they were pushing each other off the track, which I found hilarious and also a little scary. But, you know, whatever it is racing, they didn't touch. And they both went off track. One guy didn't go off track and gain time. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's it is what it is. But let's talk about let's move on to World Superbike. Um, you said you had some thoughts. What do you got? You know, well, it, it, and I said that it was so I lost my train of thought now with it. But you know, I we did see. Um, I don't understand it, it, when when Alvaro Batista went into the back of. Uh, Michael Rubin Rinaldi in turn five. Mm-hmm. How was that and not a penalty? How was that not a penalty? But yet Scott Redding gets a penalty uh, when For he taking wipes out, out Gerloff. Yeah, when he wipes out Gerloff. So um, I agree with you. I think the rationale, and I'm not going to agree with it. I'm just going to tell you the rationale was that Rinaldi had to change his line because of something that Top Rack did. And when he changed so his Rack, line, Alvaro had nowhere to go. That yeah, was did. the argument. Alvaro absolutely well, had somewhere to go. He could have he could have stood the bike up and went straight. He had tons well, of room to go off track. Tons well, of room. That's what. Listen, I'm just telling you what their rationale was. Right. No. I and understand. also, and they're wrong. Michael Rubin Rinaldi doesn't matter in the championship, so exactly. screw him. <laughs> so uh, that that's what bothered. Well, me here's the, the thing: fact that, you if know, if both guys don't matter in the championship, a penalty comes. Or if both guys matter, a penalty comes. But if one guy doesn't matter and he's the guy that got punted, eh, it's fine. That's what I, I did not understand. Like I actually, uh, we were watching the race, my wife and I. Actually, uh, I was just it, it put me in a bad mood. You know, simply to to see the, right. you know, I'm glad that the FIM inconsistencies are very widespread. Um, yeah, but well, it, it's speak, sad. Yeah, I mean, and this it, the inconsistency is the only consistency about it. 
and I, I it, it makes us all crazy. But I, I did we did have some big news that Bulaga is moving up to the Superbike, right? Taking Ronaldi's <clears throat> spot, mm-hmm. so that ends that speculation. The bigger news was that Johnny Ray is moving to right. Yamaha. Absolutely, yeah. And he actually paid eight hundred thousand euro to break his contract with Kawasaki. I, yeah, I hope that's not an all-time backfire. That's a lot of money to give up. Um, but he wants to win. He doesn't feel like Kawasaki is going to be competitive next year either. Um, but I don't Which, know how you how you think Yamaha is any better. Is going to be yeah. any more competitive? You know, yeah, and, because unless, you know where your bar is at, right? I, I mean, well. Yeah. You know where a bar is currently, and and currently that is Alvaro Batista. I think the Alvaro Batista combination with the Ducati is the lethal combination right now in World Superbike because we don't see other people on that bike being heads and shoulders above the rest of the pack as Alvaro Batista is, right? So there, there's a component to Batista on the bike um, as well as the bike. Now Aragon. I'm I'm really nervous to see what's going to happen at Aragon just because we know that long back straight is just is a place where we have seen Ducatis eat up every bike um, for the last couple of years now. That straight is um, just a killer for all the other yeah, bikes. So, yeah. And that's, but I agree with you. I mean, Yamaha really has had to have told Jonathan Ray something to say, listen, we've got something yeah. coming, you know, because even on top of that, Jonathan Ray this weekend in Mizano looked amazing on the brakes. Um, the, yep. he was actually yep. able to challenge top rack on, he the was brakes. at Magni not Mizano, but sorry, I, I apologize. You. Yeah. There's lots of racing, man. Um, <laughs> Although if Johnny Ray was at Mizano and looking amazing on the brakes, I didn't even see him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know he was there. So um, I'm going to question whether or not I actually watched the races or is that dreaming? Magnicor, yeah, sorry. So, but no, I mean, and able to challenge top racks, not something he that we've did been able a couple to of times. Yeah. He did outbreak him a couple of times, um, which is amazing, like you say. Yeah. So obviously the team's making strides, but Jonathan Ray doesn't feel that they're good enough to where he wants to be. He still struggles a lot on corner exit. Yes. They struggle mightily on corner exit. He's got to go in so hot. To just make up the ground, so that when they pull out of the corner, he can just be where he and wants. And get back on the and get yeah. back on the gas as hard as he can, because yeah. you know we 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 know that that bike is once it uh, once it gets into what third, fourth, fifth, you know, even once it gets oh, yeah. past that fourth gear point, it's a it's rocket good. ship. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. fine, but yeah. getting it there in that inline four uh, without that kind of that cross plane uh, firing order that the uh, that the Yamaha has, um, it just doesn't have the the low end grunt. Yeah, that's true. You know, it it I think you what you're going to see happen is I think Johnny Ray might be a little more competitive in terms of podiums, but I I don't see him any closer to Bautista than he is now. I Maybe he will be. Maybe the Yamaha suits him. But you're going to a new team, new bike. There's so many new things there that you're going to have to contend with that are not comfortable to you. Right. And, and I just new don't suspension too. I mean, we're going from you know Shawa suspension over to Owens. Right. Exactly. Here's and here's the thing that that kills me about this decision. 
the most is that top rack for most of the races is seconds behind Bautista. They're not fighting until the last lap very often. We've seen it in the last three rounds, and then, you know, Top Rack's won some races. But the first 18 races, they were he was losing by three, four, five seconds. And so you're going to give up 800,000 euro? It's to say you ride just as well as he does so you can lose by five seconds? That's that's what you did? Like, I... You got to. I need Johnny to sit down and explain this decision to me. And that's a, so that that's a really good point too, because for for whatever reason we have to. And, and what I would love to understand is if Yamaha has something in the works, they have to. Well, they had well, to have told him that, they did. Okay, that's we'll look at it from those goggles. Okay, okay. Let's say that Yamaha does have something in the works. Then why didn't Top Rack stay? Because he would have had the same knowledge yep. that Jonathan Ray has now. That's right. You know what I mean? So, so Toprak clearly did not see something that want, made him want to stick around, and he wanted to go with BMW. Or maybe maybe BMW's had this out there, and you know, if Toprak hadn't gone to BMW, then maybe we would have seen Jonathan Ray go to BMW. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of the other tinfoil hat look at it. You know, but, but to me, there, there's no... Right now, there's no supporting evidence to show that this would have been a good decision for Jonathan Ray. I feel like the top rack move to BMW has more evidence um, because we've seen sparks of, uh, of, of, of a great package um, out of that bike, just not with the consistency of a top level, uh, and I say top level, as a consistent podium fighter like top rack on that bike yet scott scott ray um excuse me scott redding has issues he, he always seems to get in trouble uh throughout races for whatever reason tire life the, the management um getting a little bit over eager hitting other riders yeah, hitting other twice riders, this weekend things like that um you know so to me scott redding's not the guy um garrett Gerloff showed a lot of potential this weekend and I was super excited to see Garrett Gerloff um, kind of back in the saddle and Garrett yeah, Gerloff, I got the pole position. That's so, great. So he looked hungry too. He was making passes. He was moving, you know, that, that, that second race, race two, um, you know, I, I would love to have said it would have been a different story had he not been taken out by, by Redding in the sprint race. But, um, you know, Gerloff showed a lot more potential this weekend, and I hope that that momentum continues and keeps going Yeah, we, we both do. Absolutely. Um, so I was excited for that. But, the, but again, the bike itself, um, I think BMW's got an amazing package. I just don't know if it's great enough to beat Bautista and Ducati. Um, because that yeah, right now I, is the I combination. Don't, I don't I don't have any to your point. Why does Top Rack leave? Why does Johnny leave? And and, and I my biggest thing financially, if I'm Johnny Ray, like I just gave up eight hundred thousand euro to to go and again finish third or second. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. And um so I guess we're all gonna find out next year yep. what what happened, but you know, uh, we saw, and just to mention Supersport really quickly, uh, Nicolo Bulaga seems to be back on the charge. Uh, had no trouble, led every lap of both races in Supersport. So I think it feels a little inevitable that he's going to win the Supersport Championship. You with me there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels the same to me on Alvaro Batista, too. It feels inevitable that he's going to go back-to-back. Um but we were talking about Johnny Ray outbreaking uh, Top Rack. And 
I, I just don't get it. Top Rack can keep the brakes on with that bike snapping left and right. Like, I, I cannot understand it. Like, he had a couple of huge whips and snaps on that thing coming into that hard braking zone off that back straight. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't care. It doesn't bother him. For a guy that rides so on the edge, he crashes by his own fault so rarely. Right. It's crazy. He has just got a sixth sense about the motorcycle and what it can do and where he is and his balance. It's just amazing. Um, but big news, and we got lots of stuff to get figured out. Uh, we did see Damia Agater get hurt uh, from the crash with Redding. Scott Redding. Redding. You know what I think? I think any of those guys with the hair like Scott Redding has, I I just don't understand it. Scott is Scott is obviously a talented rider, but <laughs> he's not a world champion on any level. Um, and he whines too much. And then he looked at Agater like Agater had done something to him. You know, I didn't his see hands the full. I, I didn't see the full crash. I didn't know if there was footage of the entire crash. Um, all I, I saw I was, yeah. I all I know is that Scott Redding over. hit him. They had it. They had evidence that Agater was in front. Scott Redding hit him, and then after that happened, Redding's looking at Agater, yelling at him. Yeah. Well, maybe it was just frustration or whatever, but still, calm down. Um, you know, it is what it is, man. I, I right, just, right. I feel like uh, we know who the class of that World Superbike paddock is. Um. Danilo Petrucci struggled a little bit more than I thought he would this weekend, but again, he's on a brand new track. Yep. Never, <clears throat> never ridden there. Um, so when they go to Jerez, when they go to Aragon and Portugal, is that where the, the, the remaining three rounds are? I believe that's right. Um, those three tracks, he already knows. I expect him to be a little bit better, but he wasn't terrible. Yeah. Um, he wasn't terrible, but, uh, you know, it, it is a thing. And, and uh, you know, our good friend Dan sent me an article that I found interesting because we were talking about this last year when he was on the Warhorse Ducati and his adjustment to the tires. And they interviewed him, and he said it's a huge difference going from Michelin to Dunlop to Pirelli. He said the biggest difference with the Dunlop is that you cannot brake on the edge of the tire. Hmm. You have to get almost all of your braking done in a straight line. He said, you you know, obviously they're trail braking, but you can't do it like you do on the Pirelli. The Pirelli, you can brake much later because you can have a lot more brake at Ling Angle. And for all those people that are like, no, nah, if you can't ride the bike, it's a bike problem, not a tire issue. It's 100% a tire issue. It's 100% for, for Ducati especially and BMW too because they're doing all the research and development over there Right. On Pirelli. And when the Dunlop doesn't allow you to do what you're setting the bike up to do in World Superbike, well, then, of course, it's going to be an issue. I, you know? yeah, I am curious to see what Moto2 and Moto3 um, time lap times look like next year. Uh, right. As far as records and qualifying and stuff like that. I am really, I think, really it, curious I think they drop it significantly. I, I kind of hope they do because I think that justifies some of our justifies our Dunlop <laughs> yeah. hate. Yeah, <laughs> justifies our rambling. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I know, but, but if we do, there'll be another excuse. Oh, well, they they got completely different chassis this year. No, they don't. No, they don't. It, you know, I, I, yeah. I think it's just about style. I think that's one of the reasons Jake Gagne is good in Moto America. He's not good or not great in uh, World Superbike because the tire requires a different input. Right. And, you know, when he went over there to Portugal and he was 13th and 15th or whatever it was, he it was a good ride for a guy that doesn't ride in that series. But I think he could probably, I think Top Rack could, doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care what tire it is because the, the rear tire's never on the ground anyway. Right, right. So, but I, I think, I think Johnny Ray would have trouble coming to Moto America. I think he would be good, but I don't, I don't think he would just run away from Gagne. And I think it, if that happened, I would say that the tire thing's a huge issue. And then, like you said, it would justify everything we're saying to Moto America. Stop it. You know, stop making them use this tire yeah. that nobody wants. <clears throat> but, you know, but I, I think, did you see anything else in World Superbike? Uh, any news that you read? No, I don't think so. I think that was, it's almost more or well, less the same, you know, watching Bautista yeah. with it. So, Well, right. Well, let's talk. Let's now let's get to the Mizano weekend. Um, and and let's start in you know, uh, let's start with Moto Three. Um, I man, I am beginning to wonder uh, what happened to Daniel Helgado. Like, this is now the third kind of race or second race in a row where I'm kind of like, man, what, what is going on with this guy? Um, you know, we saw David Alonso now win his third race in four. Is that right? Am I? Was it two out of three uh, or three? Yeah, it's three his, it does have three victories, doesn't it? Yeah, so. Yeah, I, think you're right. I mean, yeah. he's come on so strong. It's, it's. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, unbelievable. I, but. Let's let's talk a little bit about you know what we saw and uh, tell me what you thought about the Moto Three race. You know Moto Three, we saw our our buddy uh, David Alonso that I just mentioned finish first, Gemma Masia finished second, and Dennis Anchu is on a good run of form. He finished on the podium in third. Um, what'd you see? Um, so I again, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I, I'm curious about Holgado. What's going on there? Um, it fell out of the points completely during this race, just didn't have the pace. Um, you know, uh, Gemma Masia, uh, Gemma Masia was fast all weekend, but then couldn't quite get it done, you know, just at the very, very end, lost by three hundredths of a second. Um, and then Dennison Chu, uh, again, doing, doing fairly well, running towards the front where he should be. David Munoz coming through the pack again, coming through Q1. Um, but honestly, what really stuck out to me the most was that Ayuma Sasaki just couldn't capitalize on Helgado's, um, you know, misfortune nah. this weekend. So I thought, nah, I, I felt like Sasaki really should have, yeah. and maybe he did, you know, maybe he did try, maybe he did try to capitalize on it. He just didn't have the pace on Sunday and he rode, uh, rode a smart race, you know, and just rode to where he really could have, he finished where he could have finished. So, um, uh, championship now is really starting to close down. Uh, 21 points cover the top five riders, and that fifth rider is David Alonso. So 
you know, all of a sudden this guy who, you know, had a couple decent points finishes, finishes the beginning of the season um, has come on strong as an actual, you know, championship contender. Um, so yeah. there's one, two, seven rounds left. So uh, eight rounds left, it looks like. So, um, you know, this could this championship could really be turned around um, than what it has started to look like at the beginning of the season. So, I, I mean, it's Moto3. It's exciting. But Daniel Hongado, three no scores in the last five races. That's going to be tough to defend a championship against. If the you, thing if is, he's not up. just crashing out either. He's like he's just not there. Like he he just wasn't there at all. He had no pace well, uh, it, over the lap race distance in Catalonia, and I don't understand. So the Catalonia no score. Uh, he what you know he crashed out. Um, yeah, in the last corner. Finished, excuse but, me, not last corner, but uh, three corners to the last corner. So um, I, I think that was, you know. It, it, that's one of the turns. It's a famous turn where everyone's going to wash the front out and turn 10 in Catalonia. Um, I think that was a little bit of a desperation move for Daniel Holgado, uh, but, and that could have been avoided, and he would have had a little bit better of a of a championship lead going into yeah. the next round in India, but could have, would have, should have. You know, it's raising. Yep. We're about to find out just how strong he is mentally. Um, because David Alonso's coming for sure. I mean, yeah. Massey is there, but right now David Alonso is a superstar. Yeah, he's a budding superstar. You know, we thought maybe Ortola had gotten there after winning two in a row. Um, and Ortola has ridden, I would say, fairly well this year. I mean, he's got two wins, so obviously he's won fairly, ridden fairly well. But he didn't do great in this race. He had some issues there. But Alonzo seems to be like, well, if all you guys are not going to take this championship, I'll do it. You know, there's a lot of races left, and if this guy keeps winning, then then he's going to end up winning the title. The, um, same th- yeah, the same thing with Marrera. You know, Marrera started started the season great, two podiums right off the bat, and then has now really where is just he? yeah, he's just declined since then, um, and it's not. Yeah, looking it's great crazy for to him, think so. about that, but you're right. You're so right. I mean, he he really. Like, I don't know what's going on with these guys, but it happens. It's racing. They're human beings. All sorts of stuff happens. Bad luck. Uh, we saw it last night in the Monday night football game. Aaron Rodgers, four plays. Achilles, four plays. <laughs> All of my, my cousin's a big Jets fan. He's so sad right now. <laughs> He's so sad. But it's the thing it is that bad luck happens. You just got to fight through it. You know, you got to persevere. Um, and speaking of persevering, you know, I, I think a guy like uh, Kaito Toba, who's been nowhere, been terrible, finishing sixth, that's a great finish for him. Hopefully yeah. we can see Toba back to the front. That's where he needs to be. Stop finishing in 20th. Just stop. Um, but I don't know. I mean, all in all, it, it was a pretty exciting race. Those guys going through that, uh, is it? It's not La Quercia. Is it Tramonta, the, the back there, where they they were going flat out? And Carboni. those dudes were – Oh, Carboni. There we yeah. go. Carboni. And Carboni – oh, my God. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I want to yeah. ride that track so bad, but I think that's got to be a terrifying corner. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. It, because then even after that, like, as soon as you get through that, you're going to get back on the brakes and you're at yep. lean angle. You're, you're at yep. lean breaking all the way through that the rest of that right-hander. So, no, that would – no thanks. I don't want to. I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> well, I mean, did you see anything else in Moto Three that you wanted to talk about? No, I don't think so. Not particularly. Well, 
Let's talk about Moto2 then. You know, we saw Pedro Costa win, Celestino Vietti finishing second, and Lopez finishing third. A return to some sort of form for Arbolino because he was fourth. But, um, you know, after the problems at, at, uh, in Barcelona for Pedro Costa, you know, he came out and was just determined this weekend to have a good weekend and to, and, and to really put his stamp on the championship, I think. Um, and he, he did it in fine style. Now he was fast all weekend, did some great stuff, had some bad luck with yellow flags on the qualifying. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, Chelsea Vietti is not easy to beat. He's a VR 46 guy. You mentioned it. He's on this track all the time. As a matter of fact, they mentioned that, uh, Valentino Rossi can go ride Mizano whenever he wants. Mizano just says, yeah, cool. Do what you want. I think Tabulia gave him the keys of the city the last weekend, didn't they? They had a ceremony for him on Friday, Thursday or Friday. Listen, this, this one of those keys must be to Mizano, right? Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, what what a what a benefit for you and the people you're training to just be able to go into a world class circuit at at a whim. And they were just talking about how many laps those VR46 guys have done there. It's just astounding. Um, but I we'll get there when, one day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, Vietti had some real moments, and I don't even know how he saved that into turn after turn one. Yeah, yeah. That was nuts. And uh, then he, he had another moment, it, and that yeah. was the time he was like, "All right, Pedro, you got it." <laughs> yeah, but it, it's like he didn't even react to that the turn one moment. You know, his head never no? flinched. That just. Uh, these guys nope. are so impressive to watch. There were a lot of turn one moments this weekend, actually. The front mm -hmm. fold and then even going yep. into turn 14. Um, no, it, it, this, was a, this was a fun weekend to watch racing. Um, yeah. But what do you think – do you think we're, we're seeing now we're, – we got Vietti back. Is Vietti back now? I mean, this is the third race where he's been – We'll see. Competitive. We're getting ready you to go to. A, we're getting ready to go to a new G, a new track next in the next couple of weeks at India, um, you know, and they're going to start the Asia Tour before coming back to Valencia. So, I, I th we'll see. Um, I think if Celestino Vietti stays strong through the next few rounds, then that's going to tell the tale if the v, if Vietti is actually back or not. Um, yeah, I think, know, I think this is an this interesting track, test. I think yeah. this track. It, it, it's easier to say that oh, it was just this track, you know, because. You have to think how many laps the Chelsea Vietti have <coughs> at thousands, this track, yeah. but then yeah. Pedro Acosta, who probably doesn't have thousands of laps at this track, you know he beat Chelsea Vietti by six seconds. Yeah, you know, and I know Vietti put up a a colossal fight for a while to try to keep up with him, but at the end of the day, like you said, you know Vietti knew that it wasn't going to happen. That's why he backed out of it, and and yeah. so. Well, I think it's to be very interesting going to a circuit like India, no one has ridden there. Right. So you're going to have some guys that maybe wouldn't figure at tracks that everybody knows, maybe in the mix. But I fully expect one of those guys to be Pedro Acosta. Yeah. I fully expect him to be at the top of that field because he's just such a class rider. So, um, you know... But and I think next weekend's a super important weekend for a guy like Tony Arbolino because it just it the points don't show it, but it just feels like he's losing grip on Pedro Acosta. You know he's he's mm -hmm. he's he's better this weekend. He was fourth rather than ninth. Uh, 
But Pedro won. You got to finish ahead of him to beat him in the world championship, no matter how close you are. Right. If you're behind him, you know what I mean. Yep. So let's see what happens there. I I, I saw a couple of nice bright spots. You know, Ayagura looking like he's getting more and more consistent. He was only fifth in the race, but it was better. I, hey, listen, I was excited to see Joe Roberts finish in the top ten. Uh, Manu Gonzalez getting it on the front row and qualifying. That was a big deal. Finishing seventh. He kind of faded at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Jake Dixon effect, again, not a real challenger for the championship. You win a race, then you finish 12th. You win a race, then you finish 15th. You win a race, you crash. That's not going to win a championship. That doesn't make you a true competitor. Um, and he's got to figure that out. Do you see anything else in Moto2 that stuck out to you? No, I want to keep seeing Ayagura move forward. Um, I think Ayagura, I feel like he's missing that last little 5% that will really put him up towards consistently fighting at the front. Um, he really had great lace, late race pace um, in Mizano, and he had really late race pace um, in Barcelona as well, And and but still just kind of kind of faded a bit. So... I really want to see Ayagura get back get back to the front and sure. and take it to Pedro Acosta just because you know we're both I I'm a, I'm a big Ayagura fan um, and we both talked before about seeing you know another a good Japanese rider jump back up into MotoGP so we're waiting on it I just like to I'd like to push it forward a little bit yeah absolutely absolutely <clears throat> well I mean I. I... <laughs> There are a lot of guys in Moto2 that I just don't understand. I mean, Kinnett is crashing too much. Yes. Way too much. Absolutely. Um, a, a guy like... A, a, a guy like Isan Guevara, I expected much more from at this point in the year. Maybe not fair. Maybe his injury's still bothering him. Maybe he can't figure out the old uh, Moto2 bike. Hey, listen, there was a Lorenzo Dallaporta sighting in Supersport and World Supersport. He was racing this weekend. He he was doing well. He finally started to get a hold of that R6. But so I think Guevara actually outqualified Sergio Garcia this weekend in Mizano. Um, he did. But unfortunately, Sergio Garcia during the race just has a lot more pace. And then um, I think uh, there was – I didn't see the replay, but there was a fairly nasty crash on the last lap between Tulovich and, and Guevara, I think, through Caroni. Yeah, it was a pretty fast one. Um so hopefully both of those guys are okay. Sean Dillon Kelly was back on the grid with the Ford team. Yep. Uh, he did finish the race. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay. I think that's about it. Yeah, that's all we. Yeah, that's what we got. <laughs> that's all. There I mean, is but to Joe Roberts there. is in the top ten. Um, so great for Joe Roberts. Excited for that. Uh, I want him to move forward. But at least now it seems like he is being. This past like five or six races, it feels like he's getting more consistent. He's getting up closer to the front on a more regular basis. He's inching his way forward. It's it's a year and a half too late, but right. it's yeah. it's finally he's getting there. Something is starting to click within that team with his riding. Maybe he's learned something. I don't know, but something's happening because the results have been much better, you know, over over the last few weeks. Um, versus well, uh, the last, where they were even last year, earlier this year. Yeah, no score, looked like a DNF in uh, Austria. Uh, but then, you know, 13, 13 points in uh, the UK, and then five points in Catalonia, and then eight points in uh, in Mizano. So uh, these yeah. these last 
They they really the three out of the last four races have been the bright spot so far in Joe Roberts' yep. season, but certainly not what we know Joe Roberts should be doing or is capable of. Yeah, I I need to see him really up in that top ten for the rest of the year. You know, maybe even a couple more top fives. A podium yeah. would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, but that's what that's really what we need to see. That that's where we got to be. Um, but do you see anything else from Moto Two? No, I think we could jump into uh into the big show and talk about um. MotoGP, if you're ready. I'm ready. Well, I think the big news all week was that we heard MM93, Mark Marquez, 93, headed towards Grissini. Uh-huh. Uh, going to break his Honda contract. Now, I don't even want to know how much that would cost. But I would have a... I would be shocked if he broke a factory contract to go to Grissini, who can't pay him anything close to what he makes at Honda. So I think that's the um, point where we, you know, we have that that conversation of, or that that topic of, well, is is it for the money or does he just want to win that bad? Um, I think he does know, want to win. Um, I don't I don't dispute that at all. I mean, I've seen him literally try to kill a guy to win. So, I mean, he he wants to win. There's no question. He's a competitor, but you have to make smart decisions because there's no guarantee that you're going to win over there. Right. It's just none, and and so. I just think the chances are really small, but they were reporting during the race and everything that he was just pumping up social media to make Honda work harder. Um, Which I think but, is, I, I think that's a terribly unprofessional move. Um, I agree. You know, it's almost the, it's, it is the, if we look at it in terms of like normal employment, right? Well, it's whenever you go to your employer and you threaten to quit so that they take care of you, well, you shouldn't be with that employer anyway. You know, if your employer is not going to take care of you in the first place, then there's no reason that you should be working for. Right? Why are you, you there I mean? at all? It's a partnership. You know, this is a this is a partnership. It's about it's a two way street back and forth. And if Mark Marquez has to do that um, simply to pad his pride to say that he was the one that stuck it out with Repsol Honda, um, I, I think it's for the wrong reasons. Uh, at the end of the day, I absolutely think it's for the wrong reasons. If you're there, you just need to. Stop talking, stop making noise, stop causing so much drama, pack your bags, pay the money, and then go somewhere else and try to win somewhere else. Because you're not, you're not making progress at Honda, and Honda has not shown you what they, that they have a commitment to making a better machine. Um, so uh, to me, I don't, I, I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I think that Mark Marquez just needs to go. Well, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I just wonder if he feels like he's at the end of his rope, like he's tried every other way yeah, and they're not listening. You know what I mean? Like so, we don't know. Yeah. And again, at that point, just walk away. I, I mean, I understand that it's, it's a lot of money involved, but listen, you don't tell Mark Marquez what to do with his millions of euros. You're not the boss. Honda's going to, and he's going to let him. That's true. Well, speaking of winning, we saw Jorge Martin win both the sprint and the race. Um, and really, we saw the podium exactly the same in both of those races. The right. sprint, we, we had Martin Bezecchi Bagnaya, and in the feature-length race, we had Martin Bezecchi Bagnaya. We also had a special appearance from Danny Pedroza as a wild-card rider on a new frame from KTM, all carbon fiber. It seemed to suit Pedroza pretty darn well. What did you think? This dude... Is uh, Pedroza is one of my favorite, you know, GP riders to watch, um, and ex GP riders. I, I 
Danny Pedroza is awesome. You know, we talk nothing but good stuff about him. You know, the champion that never was in MotoGP. Uh, yeah, I was so excited. I wanted to see. I wanted to see him on the podium um, so badly, and, and so much so. I really, and for my fantasy team as well, because I did pick up. I I threw a hail mary and picked up Pedroza for my fantasy team, um, and he didn't disappoint. So I'm hoping that you know I can turn around and and uh, try to claw back some points in our league, but. Um, Gosh, Jorge Martin this weekend, just on a different level. Uh, Betsecki, you know, and Benyaya riding through the pain. And then Pedroza, uh, you know, old as, older than dirt and still out here. <laughs> running with shut, these two oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Oh, but older no, Pedroza, than dirt. Dude's 11 years younger than me. Uh, um, but, you know, Martin was on a different level. But I, I wonder during the race, but watching Bagnaya before his body just gave out, being able to keep up with him, I wondered if it had been different had Bagnaya not been hurt. So um, I, I think I, I actually had a question. I, my, my question was if Pekka Bagnaya had been able to get in front of Martin for just a couple of corners and stay there, um, if the front tire um, – if the front tire variable would have then allowed him to stay in front of you. Cause at that point, Martin's front tire is going to get a little bit hotter. Martin's going to have yep. to start managing yep. that, you know, Martin didn't have to deal with that all weekend. Um, nope. and that's something that we know that Pekka Banyaya is truly a master of is really managing his front tire pressure and temperature. Um, and, and so, you know, not being, I feel I, I can almost confidently say that if Pekka Banyaya was not injured and not riding, um, around his injury this weekend, he probably would have been top step of the podium. Yeah, I I think I think the fact that Bagnaya number one was able to race was a miracle, but number two, I, like you could see him getting on and off the bike in the practices and quality, he was not comfortable at all. Um, after the feature length race, especially that dude was just he was wrecked. Yeah. Like, there was no celebration. He was unable to, like, really do anything. He was just standing there letting the, the guard, the little rails hold him up. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I, a big credit, you know, first of all, to Jorge Martin for having a great weekend. But the fact that Pekka was able to put it on the podium two races in that condition is just amazing. Uh, Marco's hand... I mean, for all that Pecco was dealing with, Marco's hand might have been, to me, the worst injury uh, because of all the force you're putting into your body, to the bars on those bikes. And I watched him during the practices. He would do two or three laps, and then he would go run off into turn one and just have that left hand hanging. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pain must have been excruciating for these guys. Neither one of them was like, overjoyed at the end of those races they were yeah, both you in could the, tell they were whipped just, you know they were just beaten but i think it was a pretty heroic ride by both of them um and and you know Pecco said at the end of it he's like i was just riding with my arms i had nothing left nothing um but danny pedroza didn't make it easy on Pecco either time no, but it, I was happy that Danny respected Pecco enough not to throw a crazy moves for some hail mary podium. Yeah, yeah, no. you know, and I think and, that that's and, I, I I actually I made the comment to my wife during the uh, during the race that what Pedroza was doing um, it was 
it's so invaluable, I think, to KTM because the data that he was getting for them while racing Pecco as hard yep. as he was, um, it, it's going to mean so much to them because, you know, at that point, you know, he was, he was close enough that he could have thrown a crazy move. He could have tried something, you know, but, but the data that was, that he was acquiring, um, especially given the front tire pressure variable, you know, and the temperatures being that close, um, it's, it's going to, I think it's just going to propel KTM forward even that much more. Um, and like you said, you know, the new carbon frame that he was testing, it looks pretty darn good. Um, so I'm sure that Jack Miller and Brad Bender's eyes were lighting up. Although Brad Bender had a lot of pace this weekend, and um, that that was a very Darren Bender-esque move that he <laughs> threw at Maverick Vinales, I think. But um, I, I, a little, little upset to not see Brad Bender uh, finish, or excuse me, to not uh, make it as far as he did. Um, up to the podium. Yeah. But let's let's go ahead. You know, we talk let's talk about Vinales. Let's talk about Aleish, who was pretty terrible all weekend. Aleish <laughs> is who I'm talking about. Um I, I this is this is the problem with Aprilia. It's a writer problem. Do you agree with me now? No, I think you so. agree with me. I, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I I, I think when we were talking about Barcelona, I think that's what I you know one thing I said too, I think there's a talent issue uh, a little bit yep. with them, and and I, I really think that I would like to see Miguel Oliveira on a factory Aprilia. I'm not sure how different the RSGP between the RNF team and the Aprilia racing team is. Well, it's just last year's bike, which was also very good. Right, so. but that's still yet. I mean, we see that the comp- the competition between the Ducatis. You know, there's that thought that you're on the latest and greatest yeah. that's going to propel you forward. So yeah, I, I, I would like I, to see. I Miguel would like to Oliveira. see that too. I think if Miguel Oliveira had not been torpedoed 12 times this year, yeah. he would be ahead of Alicia Spargo in points. I really believe that. Um, but let's see what happens. You know, we did. We have to mention it. We saw some life from Raul Fernandez. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. All of a sudden, this guy's up in eighth. Um, so let's see if he can continue that. I mean, I think it's going to be a big ask to go to a track he's never done before, but that might be a great equalizer for him. Um, I, I just think, I just think Miguel Oliveira is just a, a truly incredible rider. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think he's just had tons of bad luck this year. And and then if you take that out, I, I just think he's been much more competitive. I think we've seen some, we've seen a podium from him and, and a lot of top fives, especially top tens. So he's going to finish out the year strong and, and hopefully get good and healthy over the off season and then come in the next year and nobody hits him. That'd be great. Right. I'm sure that's what he's rooting for. Um, what else did you see this weekend that you saw, you thought about uh, MotoGP? You know, that's really the, the – it's kind of the resounding thing. I mean, Marquez did finish seventh. Um, he was able to manage the soft that was tire. Pretty, that was a pretty great ride from Marquez, you got to say. Yeah. Um, I, it's Given the – you know, I mean, geez, it was. One, one Honda didn't even qualify. Nakagami finished last, and Mir crashed out. So – that Mir crashes every week when he's tired of riding that thing. He's like, you know what? Screw he this. He just lays down, takes a nap. Uh, I, I yep. cannot imagine – how low Joey and Mir probably feels right now. He only has five points um, in the championship, and I, he sucks. <laughs> not I mean, not him. Like his this year sucks yeah, for him. Like he is, he, I mean, he's he not just sucks a, this year. He has not scored a point since Portimao. 
It's it's unbelievable. I, I don't understand why he keeps crashing. It seems like it's the same crash over and over and over. And to me, I get it. Your bike can't do what you want it to do, but let's just try to stop doing it now that we know it can't do it. Yeah. Mark Marquez is figuring it out. I mean, he, well, I don't want to say he's winning. He's finishing is what I'm saying. Yeah. So you need to finish. You you know, even if it, even if you're in 15th, even if you're in 18th, finish the race, Juan. So I had to uh, – I did laugh, though, because Danny Pedroza – has raced two races this year. Uh, well, four uh, if you count the sprints. Four, right? yeah. yeah. Two weekends. He's raced two weekends, um, and he is leading Mark Marquez in the championship again. Again. Which, he's right. he's <laughs> yeah. back in front. He's back in front. So <laughs> I had to laugh a little bit. I had to chuckle at that. So Oh, that's um, funny, man. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it was a lot of racing this weekend, and, and Mizano didn't disappoint. Mizano was great. They kept talking about how hot it was. It was 84 degrees. Oh, yeah. That felt am- like, to me, that would feel amazing. I mean, I know. I was like, all right, come on out to CMP, boys. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I was out there riding, it was 99, and I was just out there cruising around. It was air temperature, too. It's not track temperature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's air temp. And, and you know, now the boys at Coda were dealing with 100 degrees. That's hot. Yeah. But I love how they call anything above 80 like degrees blistering. Degrees, yeah. yeah, they're like, it's blistering hot. Scorching hot I'm like, temperatures. Shut up, Simon Crafer. It's so hot down here. I don't know if I can stand it in the sun. It's just, it's boiling. That was, up, uh, that was actual that audio, folks. That was, <laughs> that was a soundbite from the last Friday. I feel like I've got Simon Crafer and, and, and I've got a couple other celebrities. I got their voices pretty good. You don't. You know. No, you don't. When you ride a motorcycle, sometimes it just doesn't work. Anyway, that was Christopher Walken. You got it. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people are going to want us to take another two-week break now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely, maybe maybe this is our last one. We're signing off. No, but you know, I, I will say Paul Spargo was quick. Um, despite he was quick, crashed, but he can't you know? keep it up. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, but you know that is maybe something give him to some note. Viagra. He's, he's coming. All right, we're done. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that joke would get him. <laughs> Bo's uncomfortable with those jokes. Everybody, Bo gets uncomfortable with that kind of humor. I apologize. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to check. He the was quick content box when I oh. upload this now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So he was quick, but he but again he's he's having this trouble keeping the bike forward. And one of the things that he commented about was that, you know, he's he's got the speed back now after being gone for so long. He said, But my reactions yeah. aren't fast yep. enough to save the, the front wheel folding and he said, I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. I just it, it just takes time and seat time. So maybe he'll get there. Um I think one of the biggest stories for the weekend for me, uh, was Fabio Quartararo and his struggles with the bike and then the test as well um he i if anybody was going to break a contract to me it would be fabio um because yamaha just is not i i just don't know if honda and yamaha get it you know i just don't know if they get it but we're gonna find out it's just it's hard to it's hard for me to figure that out like they know exactly what the problem is. They're this huge factory, and they bring a new motor to the to the test. It's slightly better. 
Well, yeah, there's really I, contrasting. I you know, there are really contrasting ideas. I think Mario Marigali said, that, you know, the bike is quicker and it's easier to ride. You know, but then Fabio Guadarrara made the comment that he expected more. So, yep. uh, you know, it, to me, it, it depends on who you talk to. But at the well, they the could day, both be right because if it's quicker and they went a quarter second quicker a lap, that's great. But right. you were so far down, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. You so know. he ended the day sixth on P, uh, the second practice on uh, right for the for the test. But you know, Luca Marini was setting the pace, um, and was still a half second you know ahead of where Quadraro was was right. at. So and that was um, Luca, and you know, Pecco's faster than Luca. Right. And I mean, and so yeah, absolutely. But Pecco and uh, Bezecchi, they did not ride in the test. I don't believe. Um, so. But I didn't see their times at all. No, so if I'm Pecco, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near a motorcycle for a few days. Yeah, no, I think that's acceptable too. I mean, yeah, take some take some time off. You've got 14 days, you know, before you get a yep. you know, less I, than I that think you'll be practice. much better physically in India. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I feel like he'll still be bruised. He won't be 100. percent But that that kind of stuff typically starts to get a lot better about two weeks on from when it happened. You yeah. know what I mean? Like daily, you start to get a little better. And of course, they're going to do an enormous amount of physical therapy and treatment for that. Um, and they'll keep doing it until he feels like he doesn't need it to be continuous anymore. Um, we still have two seats open in MotoGP next year. And this whole Mark Marquez thing and this Fabio thing are making me wonder, are these teams waiting to see if they can grab a Mark Marquez or a Fabio, or they just haven't come to the terms yet. Uh, I think if you're, I mean, so I think that that's yes. If you didn't, if you did, <laughs> if you had the opportunity to pick up a world champion, a former world champion, why would you not do it? You have to do it. If you're, let me let me rephrase the question. If you're, and and I know that one of the Ducatis is the you know, the Grassini seat, but Ducati, I don't feel like is, Ducati's not chasing Mark or Marquez anymore. They you don't know, need I, to. I think, right, exactly. I think it, at some point, you know, they would have wanted to, but now they're kind of sitting back at their situation and they're saying, well, we're fine. We, we've got, you know, Jorge Martin. We've got Marco Betsecki. We have Peko Benyaya. We have Alex Marquez, who's actually, you know, that's doing well for us. We have Anaya Bastianini that when he's not torpedoing our other Ducatis, you know, he's he's getting back to where he needs to be. And Johan Zarco, which, you know, who's always been fast and, and has always been kind of on the fringes of being that really top consistent rider. Um, I think Ducati really, uh, and and not to leave out Luca Marini, who's pr- arguably one of the most consistent MotoGP riders that we've seen. He's got his weekends, but Ducati has a really good situation. They've they've got a really good problem to have right now, and that they just have a lot of talent and a a and a lot of good bikes on the grid. Um, so they don't need Mark Marquez. Uh, no, like they don't. Honda does. You know, Honda needs but, Mark Marquez. Honda needs. Well, let's say something. let's yeah. say okay, let's go crazy town. Here Let's say that Marquez breaks his contract, and so does Fabio. One of them goes to Grassini. One of them goes to Pramac. Now you have two factory seats open. Who goes there? See? No, I, I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, I, I, I just think, like, this is fun. This is not going to yeah, happen, I but mean, it's I, fun to play with that. I personally think that Morbidelli needs to attack that Pramac seat as best he can. Um, 
if he wants to stay in MotoGP, he yes. has to. He has yes. to get on that bike. He has to prove that he's worthy of being there. Yes, hundred um, percent. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's it's hard to say, but I, I but honestly, with two world champions out there, then you you that everything changes because if they break contracts with factory teams, which is unprecedented for one to do it. You know, the we the last time that happened was Zarco, right? Yeah, with KT. But they didn't make well, him break it. They were just like, "Please go away." <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. You know, it was like it was like Milton from and, and then space. Maverick they just too. Maverick stopped paying yeah. his checks. It was <laughs> actually Maverick, but again, it was not because he was unhappy with the bike, or maybe it was in some I way, think, but it was yeah, because so, they asked him to leave. Well, that that relationship was a strange relationship anyway. And then, then yeah. Vinales decided to try to blow up the machine, and then that's when they said, right. "Okay, you're, fi- you're so done." So, just in normal terms, like. Yeah, both Fabio and Mark are unhappy, but the teams aren't asking them to leave. With both ways, Zarco and Vinales, so, so they, the, they wanted the, them to leave. So the difference in those situations are, is that neither Vinales or Zarco were MotoGP world champions. That's correct. You know what I mean? So uh, Yamaha right now and Honda both need top talent to with their programs, you know, to be able to make them. And and no offense to Franco Morbidelli. You know, finishing second in the 2020 championship, but Morbidelli's not been the same since his knee injury, and then also since Yamaha has not developed the bike in the right. Well, direction. to be fair, those two coincided, unfortunately, with the right. Yamaha falling off a cliff and him recovering from a knee injury. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I do still think that Franco Morbidelli is really starting to show. He's starting to get back at it. You know, he's start. If he wasn't on, I'm really curious to see what he would look like if he was on a Ducati or an Aprilia. Um, or even a KTM, you know, if that if 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 he was on a different you put him bike, on an Aprilia or a Ducati, he's going to be better. I mean, there's no yeah. no chance. I mean, but I what's better? What is acceptable? Top ten every week, top five, a couple podiums. I mean, is that enough or what? I, I Not think for Pramac, it, right? For Grassini, I think that's plenty. Yeah, keep him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, look, you're right. Alex Marquez has done pretty well. Dejan Antonio's out. We all know that. Um, and we know that Zarco went to LCR. So, but we don't know if who Honda Team Asia is going to take. But, I mean, I, I just find it very interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And um, there's a lot it, of double dutch going on right now. There, there yeah, is. Yeah, there, there is. You know, but if I'm Morbidelli, I'm frustrated that, you know, Marquez is playing this game because that's holding you up from signing. I can guarantee it. You know, so and well, then it's yeah, the thing. I, I think that's yeah. That's the that's the that's kind of the key is you know if Marquez is. I don't know. I I, I think that Morbidelli's really got to kind of advocate for himself. You know, obviously, which I'm sure he will, and his manager will. They you know attack that Premax seat, and if that Premax if if Premax's not interested, then you need to start um, really kissing up to to Grassini, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> this one's a tough call, honestly. It's just this, like you said, this is kind of unprecedented the way that the Japanese manufacturers have allowed development to go. And you're right. It absolutely is unprecedented, but it's, uh, it's here and we're yeah. witnessing it. <laughs> We are all witnesses to it. 
So that's exciting. But I don't know. I mean, I think I think we pretty much covered it. Um, did you have anything else that you want to talk about? I don't think so, man. Um, we just now we now we have the long wait um, for the next weekend. I'm excited for India, honestly. I'm curious. I'm I'm really curious. It's going to be something we're not used to. We're not, you know, we don't have any expectations. I don't think going into it. So it's anything's no. going to be new. Um, new is cool. Yeah. I I I think it'll be cool. I think it's going to be a cool place to ride a race. Looking at some of the pictures from it. Um, and one of the things that stuck out to me about that track was the uh, the overhang on the front straight looks enormous. It looks like it covered the front straight. I don't think it does, but it looked like it did. I was like, oh my gosh, that thing is huge, you know? <laughs> um, but I think in the end, I, I think this will be a great uh, addition to the calendar, hopefully, and I hope nobody gets sick. I hope, I hope it's just a great race. Um, we'll see how it goes, but, uh, I think, I think that's all for me too. So I guess, I guess we'll end it here and, uh, just maybe, maybe we'll give some content next week if some news comes out or something. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, but, uh, we'll figure something out. Something amazing. Bo, <laughs> yeah. get on it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, um, Listen, guys, if you're going out to ride this weekend, I know I'm jealous. The weather is going to be beautiful. I, unfortunately, will be at a wedding. Um, but I wanted to tell everyone, hey, be safe out there. Keep that rubber side down, that shiny side up. And uh, if you're not following us on social media, you should be because everybody else is. And we're on at Parked in Turn 1 at both Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to have you as a follower. Bo's in charge of our social media, so he posts about once every month. <laughs> and <laughs> and we, Which we is just better we than have a the good, once a quarter that that we were getting right. <laughs> mm, yeah, we don't we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy we were back and had a good trip, man. And uh, congrats again on the new house. And uh, we will see you guys next week. I'm Jason, aka Captain Novice, saying goodbye with my man Bo. Have a good one, guys. Bye.